0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Spain, there is an old rugged cross on a hilltop. You will find it along the Camino de Santiago if you ever choose to walk it. Called the Cruz de Ferro, the cross of iron. It is surrounded by a hilltop of stones. These stones have been building up since Roman times. In Roman times, the hill was associated with the god Mercury, and the stones were placed there by travelers who were seeking protection on the way. Later, though, when the Cathedral of Santiago was being built at Compostela, pilgrims were supposedly encouraged to bring a building stone from their homes as part of their pilgrimage in order to benefit the construction process. Eventually, these two traditions merged into what is today a beautiful, poignant tradition of pilgrims bringing a stone from home in order to leave it at the foot of the Iron Cross. These stones come from all over the world, they are born in the hands and on the backs. Of those who walk in pilgrimage and they're left there at the foot of that cross. Many pilgrims write messages on their stones and many of those messages are related to some form of tragedy at home. Tragedy which has prompted the pilgrim to seek the solace of a pilgrimage. The pilgrim is leaving that weight at the foot of that cross. Not just that stone, but everything that stone represents to that individual. I like that symbolism of leaving a stone, symbolizing some weight that a person has been carrying. And leaving it at the foot of the cross. That is, after all, what I believe we come here seeking on Good Friday. We are seeking relief, maybe release, from the weight that we bear, the weight of living, the weight of dying, that bears down on us, that causes us to stumble and to suffer. I think we come here on Good Friday seeking to leave that at the cross. It's as if we are walking through this life with a metaphorical stone in our hands, or perhaps the weight is larger and we bear it on our backs, much as Jesus bore the weight of the crossbeam as he strode towards his death, the weight of which was actually our burden. Truth be told, the burden that we as humanity were marked to bear, but which God, out of tremendous love for humanity, has borne that weight for us. God answers this weight we all bear, the weight of this day. God answers it with God's truth. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And Jesus claims that he came to testify to the truth. That was the reason for his coming to us. And on this day, we with Pilate come asking, what is truth? We may be here seeking such truths as, why was this necessary? Or why did God have to die for us? Why would God die for us? Or perhaps, why does it matter that God would die for us? These are weighty questions indeed. Through Christ, God is dealing with us today in a truth that goes deeper than any other truth in the universe. It is a truth that we learn almost as soon as we begin breathing the air. It is a truth that we learn from our parents, whoever they may be. God is dealing today in what is called relational truth. For God so loved the world, and to love is to be in relationship. So to love the world is to seek a loving relationship with the world. Relational truth combines both factual and relational knowledge to arrive at the truth of one's relational standing with another person. As I said, a baby learns this in terms of relationship with parents and grandparents and others. It's something we learn almost as naturally as breathing. If someone says they love you, then your knowledge of past experience with that person and your understanding of relational norms should come together and back that up. That's how relational truth works. So if in this day we believe that God is professing to love us, then what we can see, what we can know from our past experiences And what we can interpolate from other loving relationships we've experienced all need to converge in a way that confirms the relational truth of God's love. That's why we're here. And the irony of this day is that these very elements converge in one stark event. The execution of God's own son. And notice in that whole long reading, John is not describing the crucifixion in all of its gruesome detail. He didn't need to, because anyone reading this account in his day could already connect with the horror of crucifixion. They saw it in day-to-day life. Instead, John is trying to focus in on what it means, what the crucifixion means in terms of God's relational truth. That's the reason for the details he chooses to draw out. Perhaps on this night, more than any other night, on this day we call good, in this week we call holy as we are here at the foot of the cross. You and I can see that truth displayed as a love that is proven in sacrificial terms. An offering up of God's own self in our place to claim the victory over death that we could never have claimed by our own merits. A gift of eternal life given as God's gift of relationship, a relational truth which is offered to us through the love of this cross, this death in our place at our own hands. If it was going to bring about eternal life for the world, then it had to be a death to end all deaths, quite literally a death by which God alone could defeat death, so that by God's love, the weight of human living and of human dying could be once and forever subsumed in God's all-encompassing love. This image of the cross as the truth-bearer of God's love, as God's answer to the weight that we all bear, was something portrayed in the last scenes of the 2016 remake of Ben-Hur, which was very different from the original. In these final scenes, Judah Ben-Hur encounters Christ in one of the times when Jesus falls under the weight of the crossbeam he is made to carry Judah Ben-Hur tries to fetch Jesus a dipper of water. They know each other. They're friends. And he is beaten by a soldier for his efforts. While he's down on the ground, suffering the beating, Judah Ben-Hur picks up a stone off the pavement, and he is about to strike back. When Jesus grabs his arm, stops him, and says, No. I give my life willingly. Judah ben Hur stands up. He's stunned a little. He is still clutching that stone in his hand, like he doesn't really know what to do with it. And he begins to follow Christ. He walks all the way to Calvary, still clutching that stone in his hand. He stands there, wringing it in his hand, gripping it with all his might. And it is only in that moment of Jesus saying from the cross, Tetelestai, it is finished. And the sun becoming dark and the sky turning to rain. It is in that moment as Judah Ben-Hur falls to his knees that he is finally able to let go of that stone and all that it must represent to him. I say it represents something to him because think about the symbolism of that stone in light of what I said at the beginning. About the weight of living represented by all the stones that pilgrims have left at that iron cross. And one thing the two films, the older one and the remake had in common was the kind of life that Judah Ben Hur had led. A life in which he had come to believe one of the great lies of the human condition, the lie that might makes right. He has no category for a savior that gives up his life willingly. And that stone in his hand represents everything that Judah Ben Hur has lived through, the weight of the bad things that have happened in his life. And all of that is symbolically dropped, it falls away at the foot of the cross, in the face of the absolute relational truth of God's sacrificial love displayed there. I swear whoever wrote that film must have walked the Camino, because it's right there. And so, as I wrap up, my question for us today if ever there was a time for me to ask it, is this. What's the stone in your hand? We all have one. You've been carrying it for an awfully long time, I can guess. Only you know what it is. It's personal to you. But note how you clutch it. It's as if your hand conforms to its shape. You've had it there for so long. The Lord long ago set his face to go to Jerusalem. He has been walking his own holy pilgrimage, which ends in this display of relational truth by which we, you and I, the whole world, are saved from the need to ever carry such stones again. Here at the foot of the cross, can we let it go? These stones, their weight, our sin, all of it. To be finally set free of it, to be finally made whole and set right. Can it be so? It can. It absolutely can. And it is. This day answers our question with God's relational truth, God's love born out of sacrifice, the weight which Christ bore for us that we need no longer bear it ourselves, that we can leave it here at the cross and be set free to live our lives and the absolute truth of God's all-consuming love. That is what Good Friday is all about. Amen.